Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand as you're seated today? Great to see you today. Good morning. Good to see you. Turn to someone near you and say, hey, I like that shirt you're wearing. Do that, would you? They're wearing a dress, say a dress, a sweater, say that sweater. I'm running out of things to have you say to each other. We're done. It's not going to happen anymore. I'm glad you're here. Take your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to begin in the journey. We're going to hunker in on Acts chapter 4 as we begin a new series entitled Because of You. It's in keeping with our mission strategic partnership theme, but, but I want to take it in a little bit different direction, although they really do go together. It's the idea of living a life that endures beyond your own life. It's making a difference beyond you and just your little realm, but having an impact not only on the world around you, but in an internal and an enduring way. And today we're going to talk about because you prayed and the power of prayer. We've been on that journey together as a congregation. Wednesday nights have been precious. If you happen to join us on a Wednesday night, specifically this last week, if you haven't been to one of them, we actually transform this place a little bit, and we take the, the altars, we move them out front, we, we create circles of prayer, we bring up the, uh, the curtains, and we kind of create a more intimate setting. And this last week, we were privileged to have some of our youth with us, as well as some of our Club 56 with us. And to have the, the youth and the children praying along with us as adults was so powerful. I walked around a couple of times, I took a little bit of video we were doing some personal ministry with some folks as well while we were anointing them with oil. And, and it was interesting because at the very end, they had a number of the youth come up front and to watch adults praying over the youth and then having the youth stand up, turn around, and then pray over us as adults was really powerful. And so we just believe God is answering. We're hearing stories. We're hearing testimonies. And God is going to continue to do some incredible things. We also had a, a prayer conference this last week. It was a simulcast with Daniel Henderson, and I thought what a great time to take some of what he was teaching because I knew I was going to be preaching on prayer today. And in Acts chapter 3, the gospel is now going out. The Holy Spirit has come upon believers. They are now modeling what Christ has told them to do to make disciples of all nations. They are operating in power and passion, seeing thousands of people come to Christ. And in Acts chapter 3, we see an encounter at the temple gate called Beautiful, Acts chapter 3, if you want to turn there, verse 1. And it says that on that day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth had been carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg those who were going, uh, to, beg to those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him and said, look at us. And the man gave him their, his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. 
And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Some of you will know an old song, and I, I'll be honest, I don't exactly know how it goes. I just know it says there, 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 was, uh, there was dancing and leaping and praising God. Like three of you know that song? Okay, good, good, good. Maybe you can sing it for us. Why don't you stand? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and they were, they were, there, was, there was leaping and praising God. And then I love what it says here. When the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened. By the way, that wonder and amazement or that, uh, that thing of being astonished, that continues to happen in this passage as the story goes on. And when I read this passage, it, it reminds me of prayer, even though we don't see a particular prayer taking place, it reminds me of how sometimes I am, and I'll be honest, I think most of us at times are in prayer in that we settle in prayer. This guy had no, he had no comprehension that God could possibly heal him. He never even thought to ask the man, because that's just too bold. That's just too, that's too crazy. And so what he did is he looked to them to give what he thought he could reasonably expect. And many times in our Christian lives, the way that we approach prayer is to settle in prayer and look to God for what we reasonably think he could provide as to what perhaps we want him to really do. And we settle. We don't ask God to intervene and change a person's life. We just ask him to kind of take the pain away from the situation. We don't ask God to actually intervene and do a complete healing. What we do is we just ask God. And I realize there's a, a, a point in Scripture where we, we accept what God's will is. But, but isn't it interesting how many times we lose our boldness in prayer? And it reminded me of a movie that I watched several weeks ago. And I watch it probably once a year. Um, it's the movie Braveheart. Any of you ever seen the movie Braveheart? Some of you have. Mel Gibson is kind of the main character. And he is uh, William Wallace. I wish I had a good Scottish accent. I don't. I got an Amish accent. That's about as close as I can get. And, and so the but he does this whole Scottish thing, and he is William Wallace, who in the 13th century, true, true historical character, by the way, he was the leader of the Scottish rebellion against the English. Uh, King Edward I, um, he was also called King Edward Longshank. They think that's because he was so tall. He had long shins, long shanks. They think that's where he got that nickname. So they would call him Longshank as well. And as they, as they were leading and kicking back against the English who were imposing their will on Scotland, William Wallace becomes, and in fact it was brought to my attention, he's kind of a Christ figure in the movie. Because early in the movie, he comes on behalf of his people. He leads them to fight for freedom against bondage and tyranny. And in the end, if you, I mean, it's an old movie, so if I spoil it, sorry. But in the end, he is sacrificed. He dies for his people. And so he kind of becomes this, this, Christ, -like, this Christ figure within the whole story. But what, what I love is that he believes he can lead his people to freedom and victory, and nobody else believes it. And so he's in this one scene, and he has just come to the front of the battle, and they go out against the English army, and they do the unimaginable. They not only endure, they overcome, they push them back, and they drive the English back, back across the lines. 
And the noblesmen have come together, and they're feasting, and they're celebrating, and they're kind of doing the high-five thing, and then they start to argue among themselves as to which one of them should be the rightful king of Scotland. And William Wallace just shakes his head and begins to move out of the room. And one of the nobles looks at him and says, uh, Sir William, where are you going? And he looks back and he said, we won the battle, but they'll be back. I'm going to prepare to fight against the English. And he said, um, the, the noblesman said, well, so what are you going to do? And he said, I will invade England. And they begin to laugh at him. And they go, that's impossible. And he looks back, and this is the phrase that just struck me. He looks back at them and he says, why do you say it's impossible? He says, you're so busy fighting for the scraps from Longshank's table that you've missed the God-given gifts that he wants to give to you. God actually wants to do something and give you freedom. And he says, so I will invade England. And I thought, my word, if that isn't, if that isn't me, that sometimes I'm so busy praying for the scraps from God's table that I forget that we have all things in our authority through Jesus Christ. And so what we see happening in the New Testament church is a boldness not to just settle in prayer, but to powerfully come before God. So immediately upon this, there's a buzz, and they start asking Peter and John, hey, by what authority are you doing this healing? So Peter does what Peter always does. He gets up, uses it as an opportunity to share Christ. Thousands of people come to the Lord. So now the Sanhedrin and the officials and the chief priests, they're kind of frustrated because they don't, they don't know what's going on. So they bring him in before the court and they say, hey, by what authority are you doing this? And Peter, as Peter does, gets up and just boldly proclaims Christ. He preaches a message to them. They don't know what to do with these guys. So they throw him in jail overnight. And the next day, they decide to let him go because they really technically haven't done anything wrong. And then they say to them, but here's the deal. Don't you dare preach in Jesus' name again. And they send them on their way. By the way, it struck me, if, if you were told don't ever preach, proclaim, or testify Jesus' name again, or it'll cost you a quarter million dollars, What would you do? So in John chapter or in, in Acts chapter four, verse twenty-three is where we're going to take up on the message. It says on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. I love this. First thing they do, they didn't have a, a business meeting. They didn't go and write their senator. They, they didn't do anything like that. What did they do first? They prayed first. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 
You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our, our father David. And then they, they quote in prayer, Psalm 2, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kingdoms of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. When I, want you to, I want you to see what they're praying here. They are fighting a useless battle because they are trying to come against the sovereign king who is, reigns and is in charge of everything. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And there's a wonderful pattern for worship and the uh, worship-based prayer that comes out in this passage that I would challenge you, all of us can use when we're coming before the Lord. And the first focus in this passage is upward. It is upward because God is worthy to be sought. Prayer is not just about getting what we want. In fact, it's not at all about getting what we want. Prayer is all about seeking the God who is worthy to be sought. And they look to him and they say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So what are they doing? They are seeking the God who is worthy to be sought. And as they are proclaiming his power, and as they are focusing on his authority, and they're focusing on his sovereignty, meaning he is completely in control and nothing throws him off, their faith begins to rise because they are acknowledging that he is God and they are not. God, you are worthy to be sought. God you are worthy to be sought. Say that with me. God, you are worthy to be sought. And he's worthy to be sought because he was God from the beginning and he is the God for all of eternity. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. The Word of God says that he created all things, including the planets, including the universe. And the Word of God says in Colossians that he sustains all things by his will. All things were created and they are sustained and they have their being for his glory. That's the God we pray to. His glory. If you ever wondered what your number one purpose in life is, and I think there's a lot of direction that God wants to give, and I think God has a, a plan and a path for every person. But if you just want the big idea, what is your main purpose in life? What is the main purpose we have? It is to bring honor and glory to God. 
And he's not just to be praised because of who he, who he was and, and how he was in the beginning, but then it says in the book of Revelation that in all of eternity, he is going to reign whether you are a believer, a non-believer, whether you're a demon or an angel, all knees will bow, all tongues confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, I love the vision of heaven that we get in, in uh, Revelation chapter 5. It is one of my favorite passages in the book of Revelation because it gives us a glimpse of the worship that is taking, I think right now, taking place in heaven, but certainly will take place in heaven. And here's what it says. Then uh, Revelation 5.14, it's in your notes, I think. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that was in them singing. You remember this song? To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Be glory and honor and wisdom and power forever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine thousands and tens of thousands of angels and creatures and people with way better harmony than I have singing before God and just saying, you are worthy. Why? Because you are the God who is worthy. You are the God who is in charge. You are the God who is sovereign, and I am not. And I need to acknowledge your proper place and authority. Can we do this? Can we stand up? Can we do that? If you're able, just stand up. If not, just kind of raise a hand or whatever. Just kind of, if you're able, just kind of stand up. Uh, there's, a, there's a song. Some of you will know it. If you know it, sing it. If not, I guarantee you can learn it. Um, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. See if I can sing it. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father, you are worthy of our praise, to you our hearts we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God, let's sing that again, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of our praise. To you our hearts we raise. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. Mighty God.
Now, can I ask you this question, heads bowed, eyes closed. What is the biggest heart burden in prayer that you have? Whether it be a child or a spouse or a provision or an illness, and can we acknowledge that God, you reign even over this which seems insurmountable to me. And if you created the heavens and the earth, then maybe you have authority over this which seems so huge. in Jesus name amen you can be seated so now we've acknowledged upward his sovereignty and power now we look downward and we surrender and yield to him and his will it's one thing to acknowledge that God is in control it's another thing to surrender and yield to what he would want to do. Now you notice in this passage, that's exactly what they did because they acknowledged his sovereignty. And then he said, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy, your holy servant, Jesus. Now this is, the, this is the hardest, most devastating thing they'd gone through. They destroyed Jesus. Now they have, the, they have the hindsight, they have the ability to look back and see his resurrection and his authority. But then look what he, they say. He said, they did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. So what they're doing really is modeling what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, if it's able, would you, would you remove this cup from my hands, but not my will, but thy will be done. Because it's one thing to acknowledge that God is God and he's in control, but then to submit and surrender and say, Lord, I want thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, would you do the work in my life you want to do? And Lord, perhaps change my spouse, but if you're not going to change my, maybe you want to change me. Maybe you want to change my attitude toward my coworker. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to teach me in this time. Lord, maybe you want me to be a testimony through this fire. Maybe through this challenge, you want to heal and bring glory to yourself. And then maybe, Lord, you want me to endure and give glory to you, even though maybe. Maybe prayer isn't about us. Maybe it's about Him. Just like worship is not about us, it's about Him. And maybe that's why we get disappointed and discouraged and depressed because we think it's about us when we recognize that really it's not about us. It's all about Him. Now, can I just ask this real quick? Heads bowed, eyes closed. 
that thing, that situation, that person that is so big. Would you be willing to open your hands and say, Lord, your will be done. Do what you want to do to bring glory to yourself. And now that I've surrendered and I've acknowledged as upward, downward, now I want to look inward, and now what do I do? I ask. That's number three. Do you notice they've, they've properly... Now, can I, can I, I have a feeling this would have been different. This is what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Bring more attention to yourself through our lives. I put that in there. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders, which, by the way, they had just been forget, uh, forbidden to do. I have a feeling, I don't know this for sure, I have a feeling, had they started in prayer the way Phil Whetstone starts in prayer, their first, their first prayer would have been this, get us out of here! Or better yet, or better yet, Lord, as in days of old, strike lightning from above and give me a well-toasted bagel in the form of a Sanhedrin. In Jesus' name and love. Sometimes I'm so fast when I go to prayer. i got things to do, places to go. And so I want to jump into the little list, whether it's a mental list or whether it's a written list. And something the Lord kind of taught me um, a few years ago is, is that when I wake up in the morning, and I, I don't know, how many of you don't always like waking up, you know, I'm not, I mean, I know you all want to wake up, but I mean, do you, how many are not necessarily excited first thing in the morning when you wake up? Some of you, yeah, and that was, that was actually me this morning. One of the first things I ask especially is I'll just go and I go, oh man, it's early. Do I have to preach today? That's the first thing I do because I want to know if it's a Sunday, right? And today was one of those days and it was pretty early. And I, and it was one of those days I wasn't necessarily wanting to go back to sleep. I just felt like not getting out of bed. But the Lord kind of taught me something a few years, and so I did. I laid there for about five minutes, and I just, I just started doing this. Lord, thank you so much that I get to serve you. What a privilege that I get to come to you in prayer. Lord, I cannot believe that you invite me to come near to you. And so my prayer life, it's almost always begins with just simply, Lord, thank you. I can't believe you allow us to do this. This is incredible. But now that your will has been subject or yielded to his, now you ask, why? Because I think God has a way through his spirit of molding our will to his will, which makes our prayer that much more powerful. So now they're making their... Now you're going to notice that when you pray for, um, we'll call these uh, resource prayers, that, that generally things fall into two categories. 
The first area of prayer is oftentimes relationship, right? That's where we're praying for either our relationship with the Lord or uh, other people's relationship with the Lord or their relationship with me or their relationship with others or my relationship with others, but they're relational in nature. This is, uh, this is when Jesus prays, what? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, forgive us just like we're supposed to forgive others. And so there's a relational aspect to our prayer or number two, it's our resource needs. It's, it's, Lord, I need you to provide for me provision. Would you, would you give me my daily bread, right? And so daily bread can be spiritual, emotional, or physical. It doesn't have to be uh, specifically monetary in nature. Um, it can be a car that I'm just saying, God, would you give favor as I'm looking for this car that I, I need for my, 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 my daily life? And, or maybe you're praying for someone else's, but you're, it's more resource in nature. And I love what it says. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 5. This for me is one of the best, just a, a, a synopsis on prayer. Because John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So in other words, you've got to have a relationship. Prayer power always begins with a relationship with Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's where you start. Okay? Because this is all about relationship with the Father through the Son. So I, I'm, I'm, I believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything, say that with me, would you? Anything. Let's say it like with a look like loud, right? Anything. I can ask anything according to his will. Why? Because I've already proclaimed his greatness. I've already surrendered and yielded to him. Now as I'm asking, I can come boldly because I want to conform to his will. And he says, you can ask anything. A few years ago, we had a family in our church that went through an anything moment. Tony and Stephanie Rosado, Stephanie was pregnant with her second child, and at 20 weeks, her water broke. And that is, for those of you who know, that is just um, an insurmountable problem. They, they never work out. And I want you to hear their story this morning. Um, well, it started on um, Thanksgiving weekend of 2016. Um, it was a Sunday after Thanksgiving. I went to the hospital. I was only 20 weeks pregnant, but my water had broken. Um, at 20 weeks, there's zero chance of survival. So of course, I just felt absolute desperation. Um, I was alone in the hospital. Tony hadn't made it there yet. Um, so I just, it was kind of more than a prayer. It was like a heart cry. And I just cried out to God. I said, you know, God, I'm gonna love you either way, but please give me this boy. And, um, and after that, I went on Facebook, and the reason I did that is because it was a Sunday morning, and I knew that people would be getting ready for church, and I wanted people to know what was going on, um, because I wanted people to pray. I wanted everybody that I know who prays to pray. Um, so I posted something like, you know, I'm only 20 weeks pregnant, and my water's broken, please pray. And people saw the post, and they prayed, and uh, thank God they did. Um, and you know our story goes on. There are a lot of details and just so many miracles that happen along the way. Um, 
and just so many people prayed for us, literally hundreds and hundreds of people prayed for us and followed our story. And I think due to all of that prayer, about three weeks in, um, I received a promise from God that Zachary was going to be okay. And I didn't know how. I thought that maybe he would heal my womb. Um, but I just believed that and I clung to it. And then about six weeks in, I kind of thought, well, this has been going on a long time. And, and I said, you know, God, are you going to heal me or what? And he answered me. And it was loud and resounding and clear. He said, no. And I was kind of like, oh, I was stunned. And, but at that moment, I understood that it wasn't about me. And I understood that there were so many people following our story and so many people praying for us. And um, that my job, that God wanted to use our story. He wanted to use our situation. And my job was to just sit still and know that he is God. And so more time passed. And um, even the doctors were starting to call it a miracle because they said, you know, this just doesn't happen. And we made it to 34 weeks, um, or almost 34 weeks. And the doctors said, okay, at 34 weeks we'll induce. And so the day before we were supposed to induce, all day long I kept thinking, uh, this is gonna happen today, I was pretty sure. And um, I did go into labor, um, but there were some very severe complications. And so they had to do an emergency C-section. So on February 27th, Zachary was born, um, but he couldn't breathe. Uh, his lungs would not work. Um, and the doctors worked on him for about five hours straight but due to the lack of amniotic fluid while he was in my womb, his lungs would not expand. And they said, you know, he can't breathe, we don't expect him to live. And even at that point, I had faith. Um, I believed I had my promise from God, and somehow I just had a calmness that he was gonna be okay, and I knew that these hundreds of people were praying for us. And I just trusted that God was hearing their prayers. And um, so the doctors really didn't have much hope, but they put him on an oscillator, and um, he started to respond to that, and people kept praying. And then after a few days, he went on a ventilator, people kept praying. And after a few days, he went on just a mask. And by eight days old, he was breathing on his own, room air, um, no supports, his lungs were working perfectly. And so after 102 days in the hospital for me, um, 17 days in the NICU for Zachary, um, he was able to go home with a completely clean bill of health, no oxygen, no support. And he is our huge miracle in a tiny package. Um, today he's our healthy, happy, energetic, smart, little two, two and a half year old. And uh, we definitely know that um, the reason he's alive and well with us today is because God's people prayed. And we know that so many of you have seen this prayed and we just are so grateful, thank you. Thank you for me. Isn't that awesome? Gosh. This was his um, this was his onesie coming home. They said he was swimming in this thing. Tony and Stephanie and it looks like Emma and Zach are here. Would you welcome the Rosados when they come up here?
And Stephanie, first and foremost, I'm going to give this back to you because I, I heard you were really nervous that I wasn't going to get that back to you. So I don't want to forget, but man, God has just been, um, this, th your testimony told so much. And, and by the way, that's only a small part of the story. Um, their whole story, about 20, 30 minutes long, is on our website now, and you can hear kind of the, the journey. But um, there was something in there that struck me, and we didn't prepare. Yeah, this is a, but when, when God said no, tell me about that a little bit. Well, it was just obvious to me in that moment. I, all of a sudden it hit me. It's like, it's like, why would I just be sitting here? And I thought, if God had just healed me and sent me home, it would have turned back into normal pregnancy. People wouldn't have known. People wouldn't have talked. People wouldn't have prayed. And I realized it's not about me. Hey, this is awesome. I, I'm okay with this. I really am. <laughs> and it wasn't even about him. Yeah. It was about God's people just coming together and praying and God doing the work that he wanted to do through God's people. Yeah, And God took, God took your whole family on a journey. Um, I was so touched, Tony, when you came into our morning time and you said, we're going to let you know his name so that you aren't praying for some unknown baby somewhere, but that you're praying for, for Zach. And so you introduced his name to us and from that moment on began to, to pray. So... He's kind of like a little um, wind-up toy, isn't he? Yes, he is. I like that. In case you were wondering whether or not he's doing okay, he's doing okay. <laughs> Emma, you know what? You're, you've become, do you believe in prayer? And this little gal is a prayer warrior because she has seen God answer prayer. And so she's bold in prayer. And I love this because... God doesn't add extra authority based upon size or years of age. He says, unless you come to me like a little child. So you, uh, you're going to be a mighty prayer warrior. Tony has become just, uh, every time we have someone who we have a, a pregnancy that I bring up that we're in crisis, it's changed the way I pray. It's, I mean, I cannot, when, I, when a couple comes to me and tells me, I'll oftentimes hear before anybody even knows they're pregnant, and I just can't not pray for them. Because I've seen what God has done. So, hey, come here. Uh, say, you're awesome, Pastor Phil. <laughs> How about this? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And, um, Stephanie, on Monday nights, I know Ste Mondays have become really important to you. You come and you pray while Tony's with the kids. Wednesday night, Tony comes and he prays. They swap. There's a fourth focus upward, right? God, you're sovereign. You're awesome. You're in control. Downward, I yield to your will. And now in that yielded state, Lord, I intercede requests hear my heart but then the final one is outward that God ignites us to walk powerfully and victoriously they were filled with the Spirit of God and they spoke the word boldly God doesn't answer so that it becomes our private little story that we get to hold on to God always wants to bring glory and honor to himself. 
So can you do me a favor? Can we just stand one more time if you're able? If not, you just right where you're at, just kind of raise a hand. And I would just invite you, close your eyes just for a moment. Father, as I acknowledge your awesome power, it is not a question of whether you can. Give me the strength, Lord, to surrender. I admit I know what I want, but Lord, I really do want what you want. So I release and I surrender, and Lord, as I come before you, now we ask. I wonder what the Spirit of God might be prompting you to pray this morning. I wonder what the Spirit of God may be inviting you to bring with authority before Him. lift it right now, just right where you're at. Lord, forgive me when I have made prayer all about me and I have forgotten that it really is all about you. As I hear stories and testimonies, as I wait upon you with my faith rise, Forgive me when I have settled in prayer. That's different than just simply yielding. That's different, Lord. It's when I've, it's when I've, I've thought too low of you. So strengthen my heart. Give me boldness again. As I come before your throne. Lord, I want to go on this journey and I want my life to make a difference because I pray. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.